Hello and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Tyrannosaur Podcast. I'm your co-host Ushin. And I'm your co-host Adam. And joining us in studio today is a very special guest, Stephen. Hi. Today we'll be discussing three brand new topics, but before that, we have comments by Iggy Pop. comments by Iggy Pop. For our first topic of the day, we have Ushin. Hi, I will be discussing the uh, Logan, the the scandal involving the game CryptoZoo, owned by Logan Paul and his team. It's been going on since early 2022. At least it's been in the works. So, it, I will uh, start by um, announcing the premise of CryptoZoo. So essentially, it is a game slash website where you can pay as the consumer to buy these eggs. When you hatch these eggs, you get a photo of an animal, which is an NFT, and you can breed your animals to create hybrids. Now, the first thing, one of the first things that Logan Paul said about the game was that he would have artists commission these animals because that's the premise of the game. It's like an it's an animal game. But Upon further research, when the game upon the game's release, people discovered that the um the photos of the animals were stock images, so nothing unique, nothing original. Anyone could use them. So, uh, we can think that no no money was spent, uh, <coughs> with, with the art. It was just yeah. just stock images. Now the second thing is, Logan Ball had a team of directors for the game, but obviously there were a bunch of small no like um people working on the game. Um, coding, coding it, developing it, 
and the workers said that they weren't paid equitably for the work that they did, which, you know, is pretty scummy in itself. We, we aren't sure if these allegations are true. We know that the stock images were, but we're not sure about that. Um, now, <laughs> on to the developers team, consisting of Logan and three of his, three people he hired. His manager, and a man by the name of Jake the Crypto King, and a man named Eddie Ibanez. Now, um, the two, um, Eddie Ibanez, um, they found out uh, after the game, um, upon its horrible crash, was that he was a criminal. <laughs> um, he, 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 Logan Paul has dubbed him a professional con man who has scammed the likes of the NFL um, and the Mormon Church. Um, people are sure of this to be true, but essentially, the game was not functional one bit. No one made any money off of it apart from the developers. So it was pretty much just like a a big kind of drain where everyone just threw all their money into and yeah. ended up getting nothing in return. Not even the developers, like. Yeah, Logan didn't yeah. get anything. His manager didn't get anything. But the two, the criminal he hired, got something. So Jake, the crypto god, got something. Yeah, he... he um, so, when, when, before the game's release, the night before, Jake, the crypto king, and Eddie Ibanez decided to sell their tokens, um, which they made. Um, so Jake made about six million and Eddie made about one million, but this completely crashed the value of the NFTs, like by a, a gargantuan amount, like they were worth nothing. So did they sell ownership of the game or did they just sell all their... Yeah, their... they sold their tokens, which is what you sell yeah. to make money. But it, it basically, it just, it completely tanked the value of all of the, so the, the, like no one was making any money because the game, the, the, the NFTs had no value. Um, and Logan wasn't able to refund his customers. Like, he made no money off the game. So was the game always doomed to fail, or was it just the mistake of selling the tokens the night before? Oh, definitely. But it was intentional. They, they like, well, Logan claims it to be intentional, because, um, the developers have blocked all contact with Logan. Um, another person he hired on the team, well, apparently Eddie hired, was a man called Zach Chelling, or Kelling, sorry, it's Kelling, but... He is a, a convicted felon who has actually been an inmate um, in Idaho, America. Uh, we're not sure what the, the, um, the, the charges were. It was best at some form of domestic crime, but he stole the game's code um, early into its release and ha held it ransom for one million, which put the game into further chaos, having to rewrite the code. Um, so... The game, it, it actually got swept under the rug because Logan was advertising it, but he wasn't advertising it as much to his ch to his child audience. It was more on Twitter and stuff like that. Not that much on YouTube. This isn't the first controversy uh, controversy that Logan Paul's been involved oh, in either. No, you'd think he'd be more careful after yeah. he destroyed his career. Um, the and, the and forest he, incident. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's it's pretty terrible. And... I can assume that a lot of children ask their parents to invest in it, like a lot of his children viewers. But um, a, U a YouTuber by the name of CoffeeZilla, his content focuses around investigation. He basically exposed all of this. Like, I doubt Logan would be in hot water if he didn't do what he did. So, do you think this video from CoffeeZilla will be the thing to post? Oh, three, vi three videos over the course of a year? Because basically, from the start, CoffeeZilla was preaching that Logan Paul's thing was a scam. 
So these three videos, are these going to be the thing to put Logan Paul in the grave for good? Now, that's what I'm about to get to. So they did. No one was on Logan's side. Everyone was furious that the fact <laughs> that he drained so much money from innocent people. Um, and his team completely left him. They blocked all contact. So he has no way of getting money off them. He can't sue them. Um, but what he has done is he bas- originally made a response to Kofizo's videos claiming it wasn't a scam because Logan didn't make any money, but his team made money. So he didn't scam them. But Logan Paul has since deleted all his responses, cl- claiming that he felt sorry for them. And has come with a short um, thanking Coffeezilla for exposing him. I think he's scrambling to save his career. But Logan Paul also put in the podcast where he apologized. An apology to his friend, Jeff, who he had recently mocked his religion. So clearly Logan's very worried about his reputation. Um, was Logan, is he responsible for those £100 wakey wine prime bottles? <laughs> yes. <laughs> KSI's actually um, responded to that. Hmm. But, yeah, I mean, and... Didn't they get deleted off of TikTok? <laughs> What's this? Uh, wakey wines. They, wakey was, wine. they were selling bottles of prime for £100 each, and it turns out they were like fake bottles of prime. So, yeah, essentially Logan has... Gra- he did make a response. It wasn't a video. He made a short, saying that he would put one point three million, um, raising the into raising the to the the tokens values, and in future you would be able to refund your NFTs if you wanted to, and he said the game will be out because he's been working on it for a while, but um currently it's under management. On so the you mentioned earlier that Jake um. Insulted someone's religion. Uh, no, L- Logan is. Logan. Oh, he basically, previously, before the crypto zoo scandal happened, he said that you need a therapist if you believe in Jesus to his friend. And that was a controversy, but some people agreed with him, so he didn't get into a lot of hot water. Yeah. But I don't think he wanted that stacked on top of the crypto zoo scandal, because that could basically be in news articles. Logan Paul, crypto scammer, um, you know... Blas- um, blasphemist, if that's yeah. a word. So no, maybe he should take notes from us. Yeah, don't insult religion on podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, r- really, he's not in a good position now. I think people have forgiven him for deleting his response. I don't think it will ruin his reputation, but it certainly hurt a lot of people. I think one person invested two point eight million before the game's release into it and made it and didn't make a single a single cent. So Logan can't compens- can't compensate that man, even with the one point three million. So, I don't think Crypto Zoo will succeed, at all. I think people will be too skeptical after the previous events. So really, I just think it's destined to flop. I think Coffeezilla has been very the man who exposed Logan Paul has been very set on Logan Paul can't do anything to redeem himself unless he just refunds all the money that people lost. Which he has he has tried to um refund people a small amount by giving his one point three million, but it really isn't a, a lot. So th- there really isn't anything good about the game. It drained money. It wasn't of quality. It's not functional, <laughs> and it's you know, and it's being advertised to children. Yeah. So all around bad. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the more messed up things about this is that Logan's audience is mainly uh, young kids and, like, teenagers. And you can imagine, like, 
your favorite YouTuber has released this cool new game, and then you go to your parents asking yeah. for them to buy something, and then not not two weeks later you find out that the game's under development. Yeah, and and there's no way to get your money back. Yeah. Now there is the risk in crypto, like that um, in cryptocurrency, that you will lose money. That's a big thing about it. But this, no one gained anything. <laughs> yeah. Like there was no way to make money for it, which was what it was advertised. Uh, basically, you, um, the chats were leaked between Logan and his team, but essentially, um, the people who like sold their tokens and made money were preaching it as like everyone wins, everyone spends a bit, everyone gains a bit, but they gained a lot and no one gained anything. So, overall, I would say that I don't think it will destroy Logan's career, but I definitely think it sullied it quite a bit, and I don't i have lost a i don't really respect him that much but i don't think anyone will respect him after this i think and the game will never work in my opinion so that's all we have um that's all we have time for now so next up we have mr blue sky by the electric light orchestra Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra. Now discussing the second topic of, of the day is our very own special guest, Stephen. Hi, today I'm going to be talking about the topic of will AI and robots uh, replace all human jobs? Um, to start off, um, 
I have to say that uh, there are a few jobs that um, it'll be near impossible for robots and AI to replace, such as jobs like therapists and like doctors and um, yeah, just kind of mostly the medical field. Human contact. Yeah, like kind of. Uh, now, would you say doctors? You know, human doctors might be subject yeah, to error. I, I think like pedi pediatrists, like for children, I think they need to be very caring. You know. Yeah. And like, I don't think that the the loving aspect, well, not like a loving aspect, but the caring, like a, emotionally intelligent doctor, like a robot wouldn't be able to take that role. Yeah, and but, you know, a robot like a a robot doctor would never misdiagnose you. It would always, it would never assume anything. It would always be sure. But the problem is with robots and AIs, and I'm sure you can just get around this by using a lie detector. But, um, you know, the way people like. Some people go into their doctors and then they, like, lie about stuff that might be a bit embarrassing. Like, um, I don't know, just an example would be, like, if the doctor asks you, do you smoke? And you do smoke, but you say, no, I've never smoked in my life. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I'm sure that's easy to just get around by either using some lie detecting machine or, like, just diagnose someone by looking at their lungs. But um, it would definitely cause a uh, initial misdiagnosis um from the robot yeah from the robot and um i think uh, most jobs that have already started being replaced and are probably going to take the biggest hit from this would be like assembly line jobs or factory jobs yeah like builders yeah and like um car manufacturers as well uh they used to be put on like conveyor belts and assembly lines but now they're just mainly used with robots and um, I just want to say, so for example, um, police in America specifically, or any police that would be allowed guns. So I'm sure most people know the policy that police can't just outright shoot a criminal on chase. Uh, if it's dire, they could shoot them in the ankles. But there is a certain sense of humanity to like in a police officer's job. And I'm wondering if a robot would be able to fulfill that need. So, for example, if a robot truly believed that, like, an individual was dangerous and they were getting away, mm. they might shoot them, which is against the code of conduct for the police. And also, the whole thing with robots is, say there's a situation where there's someone with a bomb vest going into a crowd, um, like, if the robot, like, just opens fire on the crowd, they're going to kill a few people, but probably not as much as, you know, if, uh, yeah. if the bomb were to detonate. But... The thing is, though, how would the robot know, like, how would it value someone's life? Like, um, for instance, how would it know just to let the bomb go off or if it'll kill more or less people by just firing into the crowd? Yeah, I'm sure it would add, like, a mathematical sense to that sort of stuff. So, it, um, like, you know, for the greater good of sense. Mm. So, like you were saying, um, or even just, like, endangering other people to save others, you know, it's... It's, it's it's dangerous, but I think a lot of like manufacturing jobs will be taken. Like obviously, there's already factory arms working in um factory factories um constructing stuff. I think builders are really at risk, and it it's really just if you think about it, it's just putting all the like low wage jobs at risk. Um, so like cashiers, mm. builders, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but one thing with policemen is maybe we might have overlooked is that. Racism is a big issue. It's still a big issue in the world, especially maybe in America, where you hear of 
uh, policemen, you know, being racist to black criminals. But that wouldn't that wouldn't happen if a robot was the policeman. You know, everyone would be treated equal. Uh, yeah. I guess even every life would be treated equal. It depends who makes the robot. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the thing is with do- uh, with um, robots and AIs is that in certain situations they're helpful, but they do kind of replace the human workforce, which leaves people with unemployment. Like, um, there's a reported 22% of jobs at risk of being replaced by robots and AIs. And um, I guess uh, the flip side to that is that uh, you can like incorporate robots and AIs into human jobs. So, for instance, you can use, like, um, uh, a medical robot assistant to, like, help a doctor in, and, like, give advice to the doctor or surgeon in, um, like, a heart surgery or something. But um, 85 million people's jobs have already been replaced by robots and AIs. I just want to say something arguing, like, what would be good about robots picking jobs, and that is... Um, I'm sure you know this, but I'm just going to use the example of fast food workers and teachers. They don't have the most exciting job, and it can be tough at times. And you generally, they wane over time, and it can sometimes make them more irritable and bitter. So, like, um, you know, if there's mm. a fast food worker working in that McDonald's for 30 years, yeah. when they go to take your order, they're not going to be like, Hello, are you having a good day? What can I get you? It's just like, what are you, what do you want? Or, or like, humans, humans are robots. Imperfect. Robots would be, robots mm. would be like the same answer every time. Like, hello, what would you like to order? It's the same thing with teaching. They could have an instructed learning algorithm implanted in them, and they could teach that efficiently. And there would be no, like, there would be no taking favorites. I know this doesn't happen that often in school, but there are no taking favorites, no unfair treatment, and mm. they'd never get tired of their job. But and they don't need to be paid either. But also, you, um, the whole thing is, though, is that's going to remove the human interaction. Because each time you go down to your McDonald's and order a Big Mac or whatever, you're just going to get the same response again and again. Every time you go down to there, you're, gonna, you're just going to hear, Hi, what would you like to eat? Yeah, I would like to point out that a lot of people, like you know, a lot more people than before, are considering themselves introverts, where they can't really deal with social in- situations. And that's because... You could argue that in this modern day, you're not getting nearly as much social interaction as you would be getting. And if we're replacing things like teachers and cashiers and fast food workers with robots, the you know the one little bit of human interaction you do get starts to go away. And there could be people that don't really see any or don't talk to any humans for a good while if basic things have been replaced with robots. Um, one thing I'd also say is that I think robots could be excellent taxi drivers. Um, like, there's no risk of... Well, there shouldn't be much risk of a car crash, or less. You hear a lot... Um, so, you hear a lot about unfit taxi drivers. But I think I think they could be good. But, you know, taxis may become redundant in the future thanks to self-driving cars. Like, just taxi drivers in general. Well, you know, even uh, the job of a taxi driver is a big one. Like, for example, in Ireland... Um, a lot of immigrants go straight into the taxi driving business and that's directly affecting them, you know. Imagine coming to Ireland for a job and you realise the one thing you can do, which is drive a car, is now redundant because self-driving cars and robots driving that, cars. That, that, is, that is destined. Like, I'm not saying any of this is good for the economy. I don't think this could happen purely because of how much of an economical crisis will, it will cause. But I definitely think 
taxi driving like would become redundant anyways. Like it's yeah. it's it's destiny really. Yeah, even it's like people, declined people, anyway. You yeah. Know? So. I know this might seem kind of like um, a bit too sci-fi-ish, but it probably won't happen. But what if the AI or robots like goes rogue, and um, like yeah. for ex- for instance, if you have a robot police officer or a robot um, army soldier, yeah, or if someone like tampers with it or hacks into it, that's like a really dangerous problem. Because in a way, it's like a zombie because you can't really kill it without like completely dismantling it and it's going to be hard to do that when it's armed with like an ak-47 i just yeah i just want to say like terrorism with hacking could become a big thing because if there's a let's say there's a bunch of armed robots patrolling the scene trying to keep the city square safe and one 13 year old boy who's unhappy with his life decides to hack into them and getting to shoot up a bunch of toddlers you know that that's that's a that's a massive risk. Now I don't think I don't think it's that easy to just hack into a robot and make it do whatever you want. I think that's really, yeah. unai- But like, ha- as technology evolves, evolves, so would, like tampering with it. So yeah. I think it's like I think it's not a likely possibility, but it's a real one. And also like, for instance, like the illegal like drug trades and stuff with tunnels and all that. Instead of having human workers go under them and you know like uh transporting the drugs and substances um you could mitigate the risk of someone getting put in jail or assassinated by simply just using robots to do it instead so the general consensus is that it would cause a lot more crime yeah i i I think the thing about it is is that it would be terrible for human society but it would be very very efficient like every i think most jobs would definitely be improved but humans will become lazy they would start losing money they would start becoming unsociable. They'd probably start becoming, like, we'd probably start devolving if we stopped working, really. Not devolving in it, like, in the way that we're going to, our legs are going to turn to stumps, but just, like, you know, mentally. The thing is, though, as a human species, we've always been evolving to make things easier for ourselves. Like, even if you look back 200 years ago, people were using horses to, like, plow their fields, and now we have tractors and... yeah. Like, it's just becoming, like, everything's just becoming a lot more easier. And I think, if um, you know, at, at a certain point, we're not going to even have to move a muscle to do... Oh, yeah. yeah. Instead of, like, an eight-day voyage across the Mediterranean, mm. you can take a plane for, like, a, an eight-hour flight. Yeah, so I think that's all we have time for today. Thank um, you, Stephen, for discussing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So next up we have <laughs> Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi. <laughs> A bit, little bit, roll it up, take a hit, feeling lit, feeling like 2 a.m. summer night. I don't care, hand on the wheel, driving drunk, I'm doing my thing, rolling the mid beside and now, living my life, getting out dreams. People told me slow my road, I'm screaming out, fuck that. I'ma do just what I want, looking ahead, no turning back. If I fall, if I die, no, I lived it to the fullest. If I fall, if I die, no, I lived and miss some bullets. I'm on the pursuit of happiness, and I know. 
Pursuit of Happiness by Kid Cudi. Now discussing our very last topic of the day is my co-host Adam. Yes, so I will, I would be discussing fantasy books, and I'd like to start off by summarizing um, Stephen King's novel Fairy Tale. So Stephen King um, is a pretty Amer- pretty famous American writer. So other novels you might know by him include It, uh, It Two, The Green Mile, and The Shining. So those are all horror you know they're all horror books and they've been adapted into horror movies as well so fairy tale was released on the 6th of december or september 2022 and it is the 65th novel that stephen king has ever written it is a portal fantasy and a director from hollywood paul greengrass said he would be adapting the movie to the big screen so i'll just give you a quick summary of the book and then if you have any questions at the end you can ask so charlie reed is 17 years old and he lives in the town of Century's Rest, Illinois, with his father, George. His mother was hit and killed by a van when Charlie was seven years old, and his father then slipped into alcoholism. Years later, Charlie prays to the universe for George to recover, and Charlie then feels indebted to the universe when Char- George does recover. So this is one of the main themes in the book, uh, which is Charlie feeling as if he owes the universe something for his father recovering from alcoholism. So, when Charlie hears his neighbour in distress, he saves his neighbour, Mr. Bodwich, um, from falling off a ladder, and he then agrees to take care of Mr. Bodwich and Mr. Bodwich's dog, Raider. But soon, things go badly, and Mr. Bodwich dies from a heart attack, and Radar is now very, very old. So, when Mr. Bodwich leaves behind a mysterious tape explaining that there is a way to make Radar young again by travelling to a different world, through the, well, uh, through the well of the worlds, Charlie feels obliged to step into the well of the worlds and to travel to the perilous, perilous land of Empus. So that's, that's basically just the starting. Yeah. So it's, he goes into the other world and it's an adventure, pretty much, to save Raider. We're going to leave questions till the end of the summary, right? Yeah, that is the... Yeah. Oh, so this is the end. Yeah. All right, so you can clearly see from it that it kind of has the whimsical children's fantasy aspect to it, you know. Yeah, but it does have some of the undertones of kind oh, of yeah. horror fantasy. Yeah, this is Stephen King book. Yeah, of course. So what are some of the fantasy, fantasy books you enjoyed as as kids or, well, or if, even if now? If I go as, like, a younger kid, I couldn't say, like, my current favorite, but if, if I go as a younger kid, I did enjoy the Spooks series quite much. Quite a lot. 
And should I give a summary? Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's basically about in the medieval um, world where magic is mostly dark magic. It's not. It's not a good thing. It's mainly just if you have magic, you're generally a witch or a powerful being that wouldn't associate with society. And the spook is supposed to be in charge of monsters and magical activity. Um, and it's basically about the main character is the spook's apprentice, so the apprentice of the spook. And then the spook um, is like the, uh, what do you call like the secondary protagonist? The protagonist or something. No, I don't know. Secondary antagonist. I, I, yeah, but he, he's basically, it's, it's it, like they're the two main characters, but the apprentice more so. And it's about him growing up, learning how to be a spook. And it's 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 not a long series. The books wouldn't be around more than four hundred pages long. There's like ten of them of them or something, but they're good. And you know they 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 fight with staves with hidden blades in them. They travel across the country, which is hinted to be England, um, and they deal with monsters. But the the spooks aren't supposed to use magic. They fight against it. And what about you, Stephen? What was your favorite childhood fantasy book? Um. Well. A few years ago, uh, I finished reading the Skullduggery Pleasant uh, series, and uh, I did quite like it. It's um, should I give the summary? Well, I think we've all I think yeah. we've all read it. So but, yeah, we've all read it here. Uh, I kind of like the whole magic aspect of it, and the fact that there was like different classes of magic users, and there was like um, adepts and elemental users, and um, I just kind of liked the the progression of the main character into. Well, I'm not going to spoil the end. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, of course, the series is still going to this day, although yeah. I haven't I haven't kept up with it. There I was, stopped reading at, like, book 11. Mm. Yeah. There, yeah, there was a new one released um, about a year ago, I think. The last one I remember was um, the one where they br- Serpine was on the cover. Mm. <laughs> I think he might have come back. Yeah. I think I think the problem with Skullduggery Pleasant is that you can't read a book series forever. And it does, like... I think well, at least for me, uh, it's it's aimed towards children, right? So I don't think children like will keep attention with Skullduggery Pleasant. I think you could read like fifteen books, and then at least I'd be done. Yeah, yeah. No, it did get repetitive near the end. Yeah. But uh, another good aspect is it is a it is a local book because it yeah. it is set in Ireland. Yeah. Um, which is cool. And another book, may I'd say you've all read, also set in Ireland, is Artemis Fowl. Yeah. So you may have seen the the god awful, atrocious, <laughs> one of the worst movies of twenty twenty one during lockdown, the Artemis Fowl live action movie, which we don't speak of, but uh, the book series was one of my favorites as a child. I I really like the aspect of Skullduggery Pleasant, which is that everyone kind of had a new identity in the magic world, and they gave themselves new mm. na- new names. Yeah. Like I always, I always that was actually like probably one of my favorite aspects, the fact that you had to pick a wizard name because they're all really cool. Uh, yeah, like they were all really cool. I can't really think of one that isn't. Uh, I kind of like it. Um, I can't remember which book it was, but it's the one where kind of like the ministry like kind of goes corrupt, and then Skullduggery ends up having to like go against them. I can't remember which one. Mm. That isn't. I, the last, the last one I remember is like. Uh, what was it? I can't. I I can't remember. Kingdom of the Wicked, or um, or something like that. Mm, I haven't read any of the new ones. No, no. But um, I see the re- one of the reasons I didn't read any of the new ones was because my siblings had all read them before me, and I just got like the hand-me-down books. I didn't have any of the new books. 
Like I stopped like at all the ones we had. But I think um I think School of Group Pleasant is definitely uh and it's one of those books where you don't really have to like a lot of books you'll hear and I kinda I, I know I know it makes sense, but an an annoying thing about a book series is that sometimes you'll have to read two boring books to get to the yeah. good book to understand the story. But Skullduggery Pleasant doesn't really do that, like it's straight away action. Yeah. I kinda like um as you said, like the whole picking up like a new identity and kinda like becoming a whole new person. Yeah. yeah. Um and like just kinda learning more stuff about like the secret world of all the wizards and stuff. A lot of things I uh, I like philosophy I hear about fancy enough is that like if you don't really like fancy, the world is good enough for you. Mm. So like you think it's a perfect world. Which I guess I guess I could understand what they mean by that. So then um well obviously then after I went through the kind of Harry Potter phase, I moved on to things like the Hunger Games, yeah. Maze Runner, mm-hmm. and kind of the teen... Dystopian. The, the teen dystopian fantasies, yeah. <laughs> Stephen, the, Hunger, the Hunger Games are the best books. Are, well, the first two, the third one. The third one, you know... It, see, it's respectable, though. Well. If, it's not as good. If we were to no look, Hunger Games. Yeah, if we were to look at uh, three books, or three book series, which would be Divergent, uh, the, Hunger, the, the Hunger Games, and... Um, or the Maze Runner. In the first book, uh, they have a unique concept. Like in Divergent, it's the choosing ceremony. In I did not enjoy it, Divergent. No. I finished it, but I didn't like it. In um, Hunger Games, it's the Hunger Games, the whole game. And then in Maze Runner, it's the maze. But after the first book, they all kind of go away. That's not really a thing anymore. It's not something that matters. In the Hunger Games... Well, the, the Hunger Games, you have a second one. Uh, I know, but the second one is a bit... I see what you mean, though. It's not like a real Hunger Games because they escape. Yeah. And in, you know, in Divergent, obviously, the whole class thing doesn't matter anymore. And in uh, Maze Runner, the maze is obviously forgotten. And it just becomes into kind of uh, kids against the government yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, well, it can't last... It can't last forever, you know. And it does fizzle out, so... Like, imagine, imagine if there was a third Hunger Games. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't... Mm. But then they all kind of they all have the similar vibe, you know. If you, if you've read one of them, you've probably read most of them. Yeah, I I honestly say that um, I would like still call the Hunger Games one of my favorite books if I just read the first one. Cause the first one probably the best book in the series. And okay, well I think we've kind of danced around the subject, but if we were to talk about Harry Potter, what what is your what was your opinion then, and what was your opinion now? I read it when I was. Seven-ish, I think it was turning. I don't know. I've it was very overhyped in my opinion by everyone around me. Like it's classified as like the book of books, mm-hmm. and it's like an, an amazing series. read. And I didn't enjoy it that much. I think the concept is very simple: wizard teens fighting evil wizard. You know, it's it it it, it got it's it's too much of a simple concept for fancy like fancy skullduggery pleasant is a very unique concept there's different classes of magic different names so do spooks but like um harry potter and the spell casting isn't even cool there's no like mm. level of your magic you just say a word and it then, comes out yeah. of a stick yeah. and then like it happens and yeah if we were to look back at harry potter today it yeah. doesn't it doesn't yeah. like some adults claim that it's their entire personality but if you've if you've only read Harry Potter, I would argue that a lot of um 
the, at least people I've met, the more more Harry Potter, like the most intense Harry Potter fans I've met are ones who didn't read the books, who only read them, who only watched the movies. And controversial <laughs> like choice, but I think I almost enjoyed re- watching the movies as much as as reading the books. Yeah, I, I I don't think I would enjoy them as much, but I think the movies are really good. I think they adapt the books quite well. Well, I I I didn't um if I was to if I was to finish this discussion, I, I would say that. I I kind of did fall in love with the Harry Potter world, but I watched the movies kind of bit by bit. I wasn't too much interested in the movies, and I don't think, in my opinion, the I've movies. I've only seen two of them. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really like the movies. That they didn't really capture the essence of the books. I think the problem is with the whole magic system of <coughs> Harry Potter is that as long as you're not a muggle and you have a stick, you can yeah. pretty much kill anyone you want. Yeah, yeah. like uh, they say, like the Avada Kedavra curse. Mm. It's a restriction. It's a super intense spell. Only like, and they say like magic's really hard to do. And you have to, like only masters can cast a well. You turn a stick and say a word. Yeah. Like imagine how if, complex um, is that? But like you don't see any sp- like people going out around on the streets giving like a child a wand. They say. Hey, could you say Avada Kedavra and point the stick at your mom? Yeah. <laughs> like, but like, if in the real world that could happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the worst thing about Harry Potter, looking back, is that the characters are all just so dry. They're just they're just a shell with one character. Ron, Ron, Ron is a good character in my opinion. I think he's the best out of the three because he actually has some like realistic depth. Harry Potter is the most boring character ever. And yeah, yeah. He's one of the most boring protagonists ever. He's very talented. And mm. he's an orphan. There's not really any ca- like <laughs> major like character skill development in the magic. He's kind of just born good with yeah. it. I think the only like I think one of the better characters is Neville. Like he actually studies in the school. He works hard, but he's he just becomes not... a semi-good wizard. Yeah. Whereas Harry, he has his scar. Well, yeah. He skips all his classes. He gets a nice broomstick, and he's like the star of the school. And then everyone hates him later on. Yeah, that was that was very tacky. Yeah. yeah. Um. But anyway. He, he kills the big so boy. you heard it. You heard it first from here. Harry Potter overrated. If you're an adult and you yeah. like it, you have no, not read it. I, I, I think you should probably like read it when you're a child. It's a good like taster for fantasy. Like if you're gonna read as a first fantasy book, Harry Potter is a good series. Yeah. A good, <laughs> not a great. Yeah. Um. So. That's all we have time for today, so we'll see you in the next one, and remember, the clock is burning, because it's time for Timeless Lore, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.